lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. In this episode, I connect with Lori Horvath, who I met in Peru and got a memorable and pivotal reading from while I was on retreat. I recognize Lori as a seer, a wise person, as truly magical. We recorded together in person just before I returned back to the States, where I've currently made my way back to Portland, Oregon at the time of recording this intro. And hey, I'm excited to be back with interviews. That's something that I'm putting my energy more toward gathering now that I've finished Hungry Ghosts of Paradise, the erotic audio novella that I shared to this podcast. And you can find that... um, I have a Spotify playlist for the novel that I'll leave in the notes as well, um, where all of the chapters are conveniently organized. A little bit about Lori. Lori is a medicine woman, oracle, and energy transmitter. Her gift spontaneously came online when she experienced a near-death experience and began to witness all of God's multidimensional creation from the zero-point space of the cosmic womb. She lived in isolation in the mountains for four years before slowly stepping into service, as there was no formal human teacher guiding her. During this time, Great Spirit and her Slavic and Druid ancestors began her initiations of resurrecting the old ways, while learning how to practically apply them to this radically different world. Her forte is navigating the underworld and shadow realms, guiding consciousnesses of separation back to source through the practices of radical ownership and unconditional love, forgiveness, and compassion. Lori walks deeply in union and devotion with her plant allies and is forever guided by these teachers and alchemizes her own plant elixirs and works with them in ceremony with Santa Maria as the gateway for journeying with these spirits and consciousnesses. Lori also carries a background in social work, as well as a 10-year massage therapy clinical practice as a regulated healthcare professional in Canada, with over 2,500 hours of accredited training and continuing education. As we explore in the episode the story of Lori's initiation into her spiritual gifts, we also philosophically muse on the nature of why people who hold these gifts often go through such intense experiences to get there. This actually reminds me of the salt card in the Wild Unknown Alchemy Oracle by Kim Kranz. So I'll read you the salt card description. So it's called Wise Salt, Wisdom, Grit, Preservation. This is from Kim Kranz. Wise salt is the sacred ingredient of preservation. In due time and with due experience, the alchemist slowly develops these granules of wisdom that can someday be passed to another. Salt retains, preserves, and absorbs. It brings complexity to flavors and grit to slippery roads, such as the magic of Saul Sapiente. Someone who carries wise salt is immediately recognizable. Their words hold meaning. Their stories are deep and true. 
They have wisdom that cannot be attained by any other means than decades of pain and pleasure. You may experience wise salt through the elders of the community. When this card appears, know that everything you are going through will be of will be of use down the line. Alchemically, you are being brined. Preserve what you can, let go of the rest, and lean heavily on your elders. Since having this conversation with Lori, I've also been thinking about the nature of breakthrough. Breakthrough means there is something to break through, a kind of impasse, which can look like being in a challenging chapter of life where we don't know if things will ever change or get better or if the things we dream of or desire will ever happen, if we'll ever make it. There is a core pattern in my life of experiencing the edge of who I am and what I'm experiencing as a profound limitation. Sometimes this is a crisis, sometimes unbearable. And eventually, while it feels each time like it is a unique and maybe unsurpassable crisis or impasse, I reach the other side to breakthrough, bliss, transformation, even ecstasy. Less and less, I'm looking at the challenging initiatory experiences I encounter as some kind of dramatic cross that I bear, or some kind of transactional trade-off of pain and initiation for gift and power. And I'm thinking more about the game in life, around how we say yes to gifts, how we say yes to the treasure that is originally presented to us in a form that is not recognized by the ego as a gift. When I was younger, these phases of impasse would often last longer. I had less tools for alchemy, but I always felt a deep motivation to have an extraordinary life. And like, no matter what, I couldn't surrender to mediocrity and not make it through the gates I was being presented. This desire fueled my pursuit of knowledge, experiences, and my willingness to cultivate myself. The more courage I have to find the gift in my experience, the less I give in to this negative submission of thinking something is just my lot in life. And I want to encourage this line of thinking for us all, you know, what is that edge? And how do we submit to some kind of despair that the edge is just the way it is? This is all very Pluto, a planet I'm deeply devoted to, especially as a teacher of evolutionary astrology. Pluto relates to the process of transcending our deepest limitations and becoming more of what we are by letting the soul come forward and merge with the personality rather than hide behind it. This is the process of owning the gift. Pluto relates to the process of transcending our deepest limitations and becoming more than what we are, by virtue of bonding with the other. How we merge and exchange energy, have sex with life, if you will, via all of our relationships. Pluto speaks to us through the language of desire, fascination, allurement. We feel compelled by a teaching, a book, a place, a person, etc., because our soul knows we will change in that interaction, that there's something for us there. And at the same time, we often fear and resist these very desires because of the annihilation they bring to our ego. Working with Pluto has helped me gain a soul-level perspective of my day-to-day life, transition various addictions, 
Um, not any of the obvious, you know, substance addictions besides sugar, <laughs> cane sugar. I mean, like energetic patterns that are a waste of energy um, and are holding patterns. So transition various addictions and reclaim my energy, point my energy more intentionally, divest and invest with care, focus and merge with that which aids the evolution of my soul. Working with Pluto has allowed me to participate in reality in increasingly harmonious ways, rooted deeper in my power, in relationship, in my gifts, in service. The transmissions of this school of astrology support evolution, as per its very title. So I'm inviting those of you who feel called to take your astrology practice deeper, whether you're new, whether you've already studied astrology before, and you just want to go deeper with me and with evolutionary astrology, whatever calls you, I'm inviting you to learn evolutionary astrology with me this February in Dragon of the Moon, an evolutionary astrology initiation. This is a several-month intimate container. I will take you through the building blocks and archetypal spiritual teachings of this form of astrology, as well as into the technique. You'll be guided into a felt, personal relationship with astrology such that you can source your own interpretations. You'll learn how to read natal charts and reflect on your own from the perspective of the soul's ongoing evolution as part of a multi-lifetime journey. When we move towards soul, the soul speaks back to us, and the soul is here to live, to infuse this life, to merge with the unique gift of this lifetime. Imagine both of those forces, the soul and the personality, coming into powerful harmony together, right? Like sometimes they they have a little bit of a war, um, a little bit of a battle. There's an internal tension, right, between these parts of ourselves. There's a real power. There's a real magnetism. There's a real magic in bringing them into unity, letting the soul shine through the personality, unraveling parts of the personality that are holding us back and really being like our our avatar in this lifetime that's the dream the soul has its reasons for incarnating specifically as you in dragon of the moon we learn to perceive that which comes naturally to us our gifts as well as our deepest challenges our cutting edge as part of this landscape of the soul having a human experience. May this esoteric map enchant your life and drop you in deeper to the mystery and ecstasy of being human. This transformational experience draws together these amazing, sincere, unique, thoughtful people. I've already been having calls with some of you, and I'm so excited about the group that's building. I always love our communities. I would love to have you join us. The link um, is in the show notes for Dragon of the Moon if you would like to learn more and apply. And I will leave you to my conversation with Lori now. Hey everyone, I'm here with Lori Horvath here in the Sacred Valley, Peru. We met recently as part of Daniela's um, retreat. And I knew I wanted to have you on this podcast. You share so many amazing stories and insights on tap all of the time. Um, And so 
Yeah, I understand we're in for a treat today too to hear a story that you haven't really shared before in terms of this origin, origin mythos, we could call it. (laughs) But if you want to just introduce yourself to the audience, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, first off, thank you so much for, um, for one, just coming into my life and for opening yourself up to me and showing me your spirit and your power and, um, and inviting me to, you know, spend that time walking that journey with you, that it was really, um, it was a really powerful experience for me as well to be, um, so intimately in your energetic container and, um, and within your energetic field and, but seeing, um, your vulnerability and your strength and your courage, right. To just dive in. And so it's, it was really inspiring for me to be Thank with you, you to I mean, meet just you. For context for those who are listening, <laughs> Lori was doing um, sessions for people on the retreat and, um, a friend of mine went before and was like, I'm so excited for you, Sabrina. It was an experience. It was layered, you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I had a really profound, um, experience. I felt like you saw this, you know, you saw me really deeply in a way that I've come to know myself through astrology. Yeah. Um, and you were seeing it without that map and putting it in other language and really helping me step through a threshold to like the next level of initiation in my life. It was very powerful and memorable and something I'll always yeah, um, carry with me. Well, and so will I. Um, it's, uh, I know for myself, it is, it is such a pleasure to work with um, highly adept people in the sense of that they are walking as masters in, in their own path. And, and to be that reflection of what is beyond what is already amazing. You know, that a lot of the times with energy sessions, with, you know, work, working in this realm um, that we're often supporting people moving out of their shadows, you know, and, and dealing with their traumas and, you know, really kind of doing that dark, deep work. And, you know, but it's it's also so powerful to you know, to, to hold and to support and to walk with the people who have come out on that other side, who are in deep service to their community, um, and who are doing already such amazing things. And the, the lens in which, you know, I can, I can witness things through and see things through as, um, you know, through this Oracle lens that it really is, um, you know, such a gift and a blessing to be able to see the beyond, you know, to really see the beyond the beyond and, and to really just reflect and transmit the infinite possibilities that is within, you know, each carried like uniquely within each person. And so I really, really, I know, like felt that so strongly in our session together. And I know it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. Like it's one of those, I'm kind of stuck and lost for words. Cause I just got pulled back into that container and felt that enormity. And, um, yeah, that, yeah, I don't uh, think that I was, even told you this part, but uh, I couldn't really sleep for a couple hours. I was up and I channeled a song. No I don't even way. sing. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I was really lit after that. Like this is a portal I'm stepping through. I feel like of awakening my voice, but also just like this whole kind of like, internal uprising of 
yeah, like this energy that's always been inside of me and like letting it express more. And so to not be able to sleep and feel called to sing, you know, I've had different moments in life where I sing. It's not something I regularly do. Yeah. Um, but I was like, okay, we're in it. This is happening. Mm, ceremony. <laughs> all the unfoldings of your post retreat is also <laughs> leaning, leading you into this space of vocal expression beyond um, what it is that you do with this podcast. Right. That there's other ways to use your voice. And uh, I'm really excited to see that perhaps when we're done, we can share some songs together. I would love that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're definitely a seer. Yeah. Um, how did this begin? Like, okay. Um, yeah. And as, as you introduced when, you know, opening up this container, um, this, this is an aspect of myself that, um, I don't really share publicly. I share, you know, it with individuals that, you know, I feel comfortable with. I share it with individuals who I know see me, you know, and, and that I feel safe with. And so one, thank you for, um, <laughs> putting me in this container, um, and, and for me to stand in my truth and my experience, um, because it is a very different path and it's one that, um, I really suffered with, you know, at the, at the beginning, I really suffered and I really struggled and I was in very strong resistance as to, um, really embracing and acknowledging what it is that I experienced, um, in this initiation. And so, you know, to kind of speak, and I think it's, it's quite common, um, in many people who, who, you know, work in this realm that, you know, you are, you always were this, um, you know, as a child, you know, you were, you were gifted in, in these spaces that, you know, you could see spirit, you can communicate with spirit, you, um, your energy, you know, would, would attract people. And, and I remember having, you know, visions, um, or memories, but also hearing the stories of how I would be like four years old and just being in a room. And then it was like all the adults, especially seniors would just be like around me. And so it was a matter of, I've always been a transmitter, um, a transmitter of energy, but also have always been a transmuter. And so this is where, um, you know, it's a, it's a shamanic kind of gift of really processing and moving energies and, um, moving big energies, but through your body. And so in a hilarious way for me, um, what most commonly comes through is through burping. And oh yeah, I've heard yeah. of that, seen that, been there. Like. Yeah. And and then when in medicine spaces or in sessions where uh the frequency comes in as medicine, right? So we don't necessarily have to consume to enter into that that frequency or that state of consciousness. Um, depending on who it is that I'm working with, we can easily go into those spaces without consuming a drop. Um, but then that's when also, you know, purging as in the sense of vomiting as well, or, you know, going to the bathroom, um, things, things like that, and really just feeling that. And so that is, that is one of the ways that I work with energy and that I realized when I was young that that was there. And I remember my parents were like, how is this little teeny tiny thing burping the way that she is? Like it would just like shake walls kind of thing. Right. <laughs> And, you know, it was always in the sense of, does she have a digestive issue or anything like that? And I'm like, I feel no discomfort. It just happens, you know? And so, and that never stopped throughout my life. 
Um, but, um, you know, and then as we age and as we have experiences and, you know, we, we are exposed to more of the world and that these gifts, you know, of seeing gifted children, you know, that there really isn't that support. And so the gifts become repressed and, um, but the, the, the nature and the essence was always there. I've, I've always been there to support people. I've always been there to listen to people. I've always been there to help people move through stories, but then it was, um, I have to apologize because time at this point where I'm like, it was eight years ago, who knows? It could have been six. Like I really like my timelines are, are, are a little blurry at this point. Um, but there was, uh, I was living in, I'm from Canada and was living in Ontario and, uh, spontaneously I was working in kind of human services and social work field and, you know, spontaneously it was a matter of, you need to move. And it was a matter of within weeks I packed up and moved out West, um, to the West coast, Canada and stayed out there for three years. And that that was when really a lot of mental health kind of stuff was surfacing. A lot of, um, you know, unhealthy behavior, like behavioral patterns were kind of coming in. And similarly as to how it is that I came out there, it was again, it was literally overnight. Um, I packed my bags in the middle of the night and left and came back home and was experiencing extreme panic attacks um, that this was my second bout of having kind of really, really intense, um, panic attacks, but not understanding why, um, that if you looked on the surface, it was like, well, no, Lori, Lori's good. You know, like we don't know, you know, like we don't have really an understanding as to why this is happening. My life was good. Um, I came from a good family, a loving family, you know, I had great friends, you know, and would experience the ups and downs just like every other human, but there was nothing that could really explain what it was that I was moving through. And so this was about 11 years ago. And that was when I kind of first started realizing like there's, there's something bigger that's happening. Um, I, I, there's, uh, answers that the Western world, the medical, you know, allopathic medicine was not supporting me. in, and so that's when typical with most people, you explore the world of Reiki, right. Of, of energy healing that it was like, I could always feel that there was stuff kind of coming through my hands and, um, always would, uh, I, I don't, enjoy identifying with this term of healer, but for just context sake, there was always a healing presence, right? And so I always kind of knew, hence career paths that I've chosen was always about being in service to others and, um, and working with, you know, with mental, physical, you know, well-being and health. And that's when I decided to go into school to become a massage therapist. And was really being pulled like that there were, uh, you know, just things that were happening that just wasn't making sense. Like nothing was making sense. And that was when on family day, I think it was 2013. So 10 years ago, um, that I had a spontaneous gallbladder attack and had to have emergency surgery to have it removed. And so spirit over in hindsight showed me that that was actually what opened, you know, like what opened the portal was because my physical body was opened and it didn't make sense why my gallbladder got sick. 
Um, again, I was a healthy, you know, healthy person. Um, but that because I would, the spaces that I was beginning to traverse in, I kind of was questioning going, where is this coming from? How did this manifest? How did this illness come through, you know, in my higher consciousness? And similarly to the years previous of the spontaneous move, um, a lot of fleeing, a lot of running kind of thing of these behavioral responses, which later learned it was a trauma response. Um, I moved to the East Coast of Canada in a little isolated um, community um, in Northern Cape Breton Island and didn't know anybody out there nothing. It was just spirit was like, you need to do it. And, and so I did. And I ended up, you know, uh, after the winter that I had arrived, I found my home and I found my little sanctuary and it was just this beautiful little wooden cabin in the middle of the forest, um, on an eight acre property surrounded by the most gorgeous trees and the most amazing rivers and um, at the base of a mountain and a five minute drive to the ocean. Like I was just in such a beautiful, safe space, but there was also a very big space from home, right? Um, From home. So the places that really, you know, triggered and brought up a lot of stuff that I just didn't have an understanding. There was just this inner knowing that it was a matter of, I have big healing to do, but I don't know what it's about. Um, but I know that I can't heal in the same place that made me sick. And so I began to kind of really retreat into my cave and really sit um, and and stop kind of socializing. And the only kind of human contact that I would really have would be through work. Um, but I was just, I felt so safe. Like, so I, I, I didn't realize how unsafe I felt um, being in Canada or being out in Alberta. Um, there was no other reference point kind of thing. And then there was a night where, uh, you know, with some friends, we were doing a wine and paint night and, um, my friend's husband came and picked us up. Um, and there was a snowstorm and he was being very irresponsible with the way that he was driving. He was, you know, playing around and he was trying to do, um, what do you call those? Like, like when you're trying to spin the tire, you know, and, and we were all, I remember we were all just like yelling at him going, stop, like, stop. This is unsafe. Like, like we just want to get home, like stop playing around. And he lost control of the car. And again, on the surface, this was, it was not a big accident, but we went over into a ditch and rolled over into a ditch, but I was sitting in the front passenger seat. And that this was when um, the airbag exploded and it, and I was the only one that got impacted in all of this, but it hit me in the side of the head. And I remember, I remember, um, just completely blacking out, but was still like consistently conscious throughout the whole thing. And it was almost like, you know how, when you have like those old TVs, the old TVs and you unplug it and then the picture just goes in, that's exactly what happened. But I remembered being in this space, in this space of nothingness and of the void like really, like it was a matter of, I was just in this nothingness. There was, I was nothing. Um, but I had never felt so peaceful. 
so safe, so loved. Like it was like I had gone home and I came back to, um, the car rolled on to the driver's side. So I was hanging, um, and my throat had gotten, you know, slashed, luckily not open, but with the seatbelt. Um, but I remember when I came to the first thing I did was grabbed my head thinking I was going to be touching my brain. Like I really thought that like my head got cracked, like cracked wide open. And then somehow we got out and we got out of the vehicle. And as soon as I got out, I just started vomiting and just vomiting and vomiting. And, but then pretending like I'm like, Oh, no, I'm okay. Oh yeah. I probably have a concussion, but I'm okay. But this vomit was very different. Um, and it was the next day, um, or the next morning, um, I went to the hospital, you know, got checked out and they're like, yeah, you know, you've got a concussion and yes, we need to treat this gash on your, on your neck. And then, uh, when I wasn't sleeping, this is, this is where there was, you know, a really intense kind of process that I was sleeping essentially for 20 hours. Right. Um, like I just could not stay awake, but then when I was awake, I was doing nothing but screaming and I was screaming at the uh, top of my lungs, like almost like a blood curdling scream. And I'd never heard this kind of sound or even voice or frequency come out of me. And, you know, the healthcare professional is at that time I was a registered massage therapist was sitting there going, oh, this is just a limbic system response from, you know, getting my brain rattled. And this isn't your first concussion, Lori. This is like your sixth or your seventh, all being hit on the right side of my temple. Um, And so I really um, tried to just not identify with it and just allowed it to process and just wanted, was focusing on just trying to calm my nervous system. And, but I spent three days in that space. And in this absolutely epic fear response, um, that I was terrified. I was terrified. Um, I was terrified that someone was going to, uh, you know, come and hurt me, um, or like burn my house. Like, you know, like it was really like irrational, you know, irrational thoughts. And it was during a, a few weeks later, it was during a craniosacral therapy um, session with a dear sister of mine who was also serving as a massage therapist in the area who was helping me. And then that's when, um, I had the process of, I relived, um, I relived the, the process of what happened. And I remember in this, it was, it didn't happen in the session. It happened later that night, um, where things just slowed down and I was able to really witness what had happened. And that I remember, even in this dream, like I woke, it was like, I woke up, it was like three o'clock in the morning and it was like this slam on the side of my head, but no pain, but just this sensation. And then going into the void, right. And being in this nothingness space of being nothing, like there was no identification of me, um, in this space. But again, it was like, Oh my God, this sense of I'm home. I'm home. I feel so safe. Like I don't ever want to leave this space ever. And, but then that is where, what I didn't remember in that moment, but with reliving was in this space of nothingness, then there was this, uh, being that showed up and this light being that showed up. And I remember, uh, it was a masculine presence. And I remember when I saw him, I just started crying 
like just crying again, feeling like, oh my gosh, there's another level of home um, being in this presence. And I later, you know, as I continued to journey through this, I later learned that that was my beloved in spirit. Um, and, but what he, what, how I perceived it in that moment was that he pushed me back in my body and the screaming was, um, was me going back to earth and going back to all the suffering, you know, and that there was so much anger and resentment for coming back and coming back to life. And, um, it was then about a month and a half later. Um, so again, I had a pretty um, strong recovery from like physically from the concussion, one that I'm actually still dealing with. Um, and this is maybe six, seven years later, right? There's still effects, um, you know, of, of this accident. Um, but then it was on the spring equinox, um, so this had happened at the end of January and then so the spring equinox came and I remember I had gone into town. So a two and a half hour drive away. And then at the side of the road, I had to pull over um, driving back. And because there was just this frequency that came through me where I'm like, I am not in my body. Like I'm not, I'm like, this is not safe. I pulled over. And then that was when the first memory came back of, uh, you know, some severe trauma that happened to me as a child. And then I remember standing on the side of the road and vomiting, like just out of nowhere, just vomiting. And, but somehow I knew that it was like, I'm not sick. Like this isn't an illness. This felt the same. This felt like the exact same type of purge that happened when I got out of the car. Um, that this, it wasn't a physical response to an illness or an injury or anything like that. It really felt like an energy or like an energetic purge. And for anybody, you know, who's listening, who experiences um, plant medicine um, knows the difference between an illness purge <laughs> and an energetic purge. There's a very big difference. And so that's what was happening. But in this memory that came through it, um, it started to show me and, but it was a matter of my body started to remember. And so I was remembering everything viscerally. And I just remember being so confused, like so confused as to what was happening. I'm like, I'm losing my mind. Like I'm absolutely losing my mind here. And, um, that this was when spirit came through and said, stay away from everybody. Like in, in this sense of like, do not go to a doctor. They will likely admit you into the hospital if you share what it is that you're experiencing, or they will, um, drug you up. And they were reminding me of that's what's happened the last two times. So there was only, there was twice when I was having those panic attacks and not really ever knowing that they put me on, um, you know, antipsychotic medication. And I don't think I ever lasted more than like a month on them, but they served a beautiful purpose in the sense of that they leveled me out. Um, and so in, you know, in this process, after that first remembrance, then it was, I'd say for probably about, th if I remember correctly, about three, four maybe even like half, like half a year of daily being in this space 
of just, um, you know, I would be doing, you know, whatever it is I was. And then I would hear this high pitch ring in my ear. And then I would be pulled into, you know, this other state of consciousness where I knew where I was, but I knew I was in another dimension. And then it was a matter of my body would remember. My body would begin to remember what was happening. And I'd often be pulled into these spaces of just screaming, like just screaming at the top of my lungs. And then I would throw up. And, um, I remember when I, when I finally was open and shared all of my experiences with my family, um, and I was telling my mom just how much I was vomiting. She was like, even as a kid, you never vomited. Like, so this is like, this is really strange in that sense. Um, but also it was a beautiful confirmation for me that it was a matter of, okay, I wasn't in a space of illness, you know, and, and just not addressing my physical, you know, the physical manifestations that were happening, that it really was this, this guidance by spirit. And, um, and so, you know, it was absolute hell living, living through this and experiencing this and, and remembering everything that my memory had blocked out. And it soon then, um, it came to my awareness that what was happening to me, that it was actually Grandmother Ayahuasca who was coming through in spirit. And that this was when my channel really began to open up in the sense of, uh, you are a transmitter in the sense of that you can pull in and, and access any frequency that exists and, and, and literally have it move through your body and exist. This is how I could be in these spaces without consuming anything. I mean, absolutely anything. And so during all of this time, I just, you know, I remember, I remember begging, like begging for death, really, from this. And because they, my guides really, really encouraged me to be alone in this, that I did have, you know, I did have some supports, you know what I mean? There was a, a dear friend who, you know, that I could speak to, who, who kind of understood and, and worked in this realm of like working multidimensionally. And so I'm so grateful for them, um, that there was one, you know, there was really one person who, who I could speak to about it, but nobody knew what was going on with me. And all they know is that, um, you know, Lori's being weird. She's starting to talk weird. She's starting to see things. She's turning into this spiritual woo-woo kind of thing and speaking in tongue, like not tongues, but like, you know, like really speaking in these metaphors and like, she's just like, this is so weird. We're concerned about her. She's living in isolation. You know, her closest neighbor is a kilometer away. Um, and she's alone. She's single. She, you know, has no family out there. Like, so it was really like, I was also receiving a lot of projection from, you know, my, um, my family and, and, you know, friends from back home. And so it was just very difficult. It was very lonely, but that I found a lot of comfort throughout this process that as I was simultaneously, you know, reliving my trauma, um, and, and sadly re-traumatizing myself while going through that process, that great spirit was always whispering in my ear saying, this is your medicine. Like, this is your medicine. This is your training. This is your training. And because I didn't understand what was happening, you know, I didn't really understand what was happening, but all of a sudden these gifts were just starting to come online that, um, my connection, um, with nature uh, specifically trees, specifically the trees, specifically water, specifically stones in the mountains, 
that all these really strange situations, you know, in, in synchronicities that literally defy all logic, um, just started happening and that they really started happening and it all starts, started happening after that car accident. And Can so, you share like a few? I know you told us about a swan. Oh, I feel like that was such a beautiful example of, of receiving confirmation, like full circle of like, okay, it's you're not off track here. Yes. Um, so do you want me to share a bit of the swan story? Okay. So this was during COVID, and I had left um Cape Breton and returned home to Ontario and, and stayed um, and rode out, you know, those six months at the family cottage. And so on this beautiful lake that has been in, you know, our family for, you know, about 50 plus years kind of thing. So really strongly connected. That was also a place where I always felt safe uh, and still do. It is, it is my safe haven. And um, so at this point, you know, I had come out on the other side of all of this, you know, this isolation um, during that time between COVID um, and between the car accident, um, I was called to India. You know, I was called to India. Um, I was also called to Glastonbury. And so I also was um, doing, you know, deep healing work for myself, working um, and, and staying at a residential Ayurvedic clinic to, um, to help my body, to help my body purge. So again, it was like working with plants, you know, working with plants um, to really help heal and, and cleanse um, and cellularly purge, you know, the trauma that I was carrying. Um, and, you know, and just having the, again, all these crazy experiences, but it was really about working the grid lines, like the energetic grid lines that, um, spirit, um, through an Eagle, maybe I'll have to share this story another time, but I also have a really um, amazing story. The eagle is coming through. Uh, not yet. That's not a, no, that's not a story yet to share, but, um, it's, uh, but in the sense of it is also another animal that, um, really guided me and it's actually what guided me to Peru. Um, but there's, um, you know, and then, and then I, had also gone to Peru. I actually went to Peru um, in January of 2020 and went home middle of February and then lockdown March. Right. So it was for myself, it was beautiful in the sense of that this was the first time that I had officially worked with grandmother ayahuasca, but sitting in with her just confirmed everything that I had been experiencing the last three, I think it was about three years prior because sitting with her and physically drinking her was no different than what it was. I was experiencing almost on the daily for the first, you know, half year after the accident. And then she was dropping in the frequency and it was coming maybe every week or every other week. And then maybe once a month, and so on and so forth, right? She still comes in and creeps in every little once in a while and there will be something and I just get pulled in the space and throw up and feel mass expansion after. Um, but um, so it was really, um, you know, after this experience with the grandmother and, and receiving, you know, what it is that she called me for, um, there was something that was changing with my voice. And um, so I would, uh, I, I sing and transmit light language, right? And that this is one of the ways that I channel and, and work with frequencies is through song. 
and through singing, um, you know, in a language that the soul remembers, right? Not necessarily, you. it's not about using words that the human mind, you know, understands. Um, it is not an intellectual, you know, transmission. It really is a cellular one. And so up until that point, I wasn't necessarily really sharing that. It was more something that I was, again, keeping hidden, you know, like, I have all these experiences. I don't understand what it is I do. I still, even to this day, have no idea what to call myself or, you know, how to identify myself to explain to someone, you know, what do you do? And it was one morning or, yeah, there was one morning my, my mom, my mom and my dad were up at the cottage and there was a swan that started swimming around the bay. And it wasn't very common for swans to be on our lake. And so, of course, every time she showed up, we were always out there looking. And mom and I were in the bay, like, swimming. And then that's when we discovered a body, like a baby. Again, I I really got to <laughs> learn on that delivery. We did not <laughs> discover a body. Um, we did, Well, we did. We discovered... Um, you know, a bird, like a bird uh, or a fowl uh, type body, we couldn't really identify it because um, its head was missing. And so we assumed that it had an um, unfortunate run in with a motor, like a boat motor. And so my mom and I, you know, collected this baby and it was a baby. Um, and, you know, when we took her, her out and, you know, we prepared her body and just, you know, really, really just tried to honor this, this being. And we found, you know, a spot where to bury her. Um, and we planted a little acorn in there to, you know, maybe help her transmute into a beautiful tree at some point and someday, you know, but it was really about this ceremony of honoring this being. And I think it was, it was either the next day or the day after, um, we all wake up in the morning, we're having our morning coffee and we're sitting on the porch and we see from across the lake that there is the swan. And I turned to my mom and my dad and I said, that swan is talking to me. Like I need to go, I need to go outside. And, and they're like, okay, you do you at this point. They understood the space, like they didn't, un they don't understand the space that I'm in, but they understand and accept the space I'm in. And they just sit back and witness and, you know, they're beautiful. My parents are very supportive. Um, and so I go and um, we have this rock, this big rock where we usually have a dock um, attached to it, but it was still early in the season. So it wasn't out. So it was just this pure rock that you can literally walk like, you know, into the water. And I'm watching this swan and like, it's, it's literally looking at me and it's literally swimming, you know, across the lake, like directly towards me. And then it comes up and like, you know, there was no doubt. It was like the, this swan had the intention to come over to me because it just seamlessly walked out of the water up the rock and then came literally directly in front of me and then stood in front of me in the sense that we were almost like toe to toe. I mean, they don't have toes, but you know what I mean? And I felt this and I've always been able to really communicate with animals, but I don't think I've ever really communicated with a swan. So this was a new experience. Um, it's more cats and dogs, right? Like that I could communicate with. And so then I could feel that just this immense wave of grief and panic 
um, moving through this being. And she sat there and she's like, I'm looking for my baby. And immediately I just start bawling my eyes out because I knew who that bait or that, 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 that body <laughs> that we found in the, in the bay was this, um, was this uh, Swan's baby. And so I'm sitting here just going, what, like, what is going on here? I'm having to deliver bad news, you know, to a, to a swan. Like, what kind, of, what kind of world am I living in? Like, what is, what is it that I'm doing? But so I'm, I'm communicating at this point telepathically. And I remember telling her and just saying, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry, but um, we believe that your baby you know, got, got into an accident with a, with a boat. And, but we found, you know, we found her body. And then I explained and literally like pointed to where the body was, what we did, how we honored it and how we also planted the seed for hopefully a tree, you know, to grow. And, um, we know we talked about the death rebirth cycle, but here I'm like, I don't have to tell an animal about this. They know that. Um, but it was more just acknowledging, you know what I mean? That it's a matter of, I see the world that you live in and I'm also living in that world. And this, this swan, you know, essentially started crying. She was honking, like just out of nowhere, just started honking. And I could just feel just this gut, like just gut wrenching sadness and grief. And we were maybe in that space for about a minute, two minutes. And then out of, it was like spontaneously, she was like out of that space. And I was like, whoa, okay. Like the energy crystal clear. And then she turned to me and just said, thank you. But my baby is dead and I must move on. And so for me, it was such a powerful teaching of impermanence and about attachment, right. And about how our suffering, um, comes from a space of when we are attached to something, especially when it comes to death and endings and that that was off a space. And this was a story that I was, you know, really moving through and ended up pulling myself back a lot into that trauma, even though I had re- experienced it, but she really showed and she really gave offered this transmission to, um, and showed me literally showed me in the sense of have your emotion have your experience, like have your, well, for me, your human experience of it and then let it go. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there really is truly no need, you know, to hold on to these things that it's like, you know, the stories that we create is what brings our suffering. And and it was this reminder that we are not to suffer in this life. And then, but before she left, then she bowed, she bowed her head down and she started nipping at my toes and almost like, and like licking, almost like licking my toes. And it was like, I was just sitting there going like, holy shit, what the hell's happening? And like, I don't know if you know any like goose geese or swans, um, they can actually be very dangerous, like very dangerous, um, and very aggressive. And so as, as soon as I saw her her moving towards my feet, I'm like, I'm going to lose, like, I'm going to lose a toe. Like what is going to happen? But she was blessing me and thanking me and, and that she kind of switched into this mode and she's like, just sit and receive. I have something for you. 
And that later that day, and as, as all of this is happening, my parents are, you know, in the porch watching all of this in just complete disbelief of what it is that they were witnessing. And so not only was I having this beautiful transmission with the swan, it was also um, how I perceive it is that this was also a moment where my, my family and my parents really got to see the space of what it is I am and, you know, the spaces that I traverse and, um, you know, these stories that I tell of my experiences that they're like, Lori, we believe you. Like we believe we don't understand you. We don't understand what is happening, but there is no doubt in our mind that you are walking a very unique path and and that you're doing um, something really different in this world. And so my parents ended up leaving to go back to the city. And so I was alone, you know, in the cottage and I was just guided to grab my drum and to just start singing. And so up at that point, it was just more about singing medicine songs or, you know, songs that had lyrics, you know, kind of thing as I was learning to connect with my voice. But as soon as I opened my mouth, then this song, this light language came through um, and just effortlessly. and. Yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of like my activation into how it is, you know, I I express these gifts or how it comes through as a physical um, or an expression in the physical. Thank you for sharing this with us. And I feel um, it takes a lot of courage to go through these activations and then feel the sturdiness within yourself to know that you're going through a process and that you're not going to outsource it to someone who's going to project an entire cosmological vision onto it, um, such as like the medical model, which can be useful in certain scenarios. Absolutely. But when you're having a type of spiritual awakening to really, you know, go through such a like brutal kind of awakening and um, choose to take the space for yourself and then get to see the gifts yeah. come out of it full circle. Well, I think it, to be honest, it was a divine intervention. You know what I mean? It really was a divine intervention that, you know, of course, uh, a lot of our medicines and a lot of, you know, these, these interventions that we have, we can't recognize them in the moment. But then in hindsight, um, this is the aspect of linear time that I do love is that when we can go back and look and and we can see all the puzzle pieces, the little puzzle pieces that were confusing as fuck when they were all happening. But then it's like when enough of them come together, you start to see this macro um, picture of what's happening. And you're going, oh, whoa, like this was weaved in like the most intelligent way. And you know, and that, that has really been, you know, a a part of my journey has been, um, really sitting in confusion and sitting in this space of, um, the great mystery and being incredibly uncomfortable with it because it didn't make sense to me and to my, um, to my human logic. And then again, you know, like the, the society and the world that we live in, there's just so much projection as well that, 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 you know, this is the way that things should be. And not here I am doing the absolute complete opposite. And that when I would maybe share little pieces of it, I would often be faced with a lot of rejection, you know, and a lot of like, like, ugh, like, like, okay, you're crazy. Or, you know, like you're a little, you're, you're being delusional or, you know, you're not grounded. You're, you know, things like that. And I'm sitting there going, I'm like, but these things happen to me, you know, these things happen to me. And so 
um, as I, you know, have been uh, very slowly, very slowly stepping into service, um, I'm, I'm really starting to see um, just why I experienced my awakening for, you know, lack of better term. My remembrance, so, I think, is the better, is the better term. It's not that I woke up, it was I remembered. Um, is that I, who, who it is I tend to attract or magnetize are people who are walking similar paths of repressed memories, of, um, you know, really unexplainable situations and that it's a matter of a lot of the medicine is just me simply sharing myself and helping to normalize, you know, this, this process and, um, and, and just making it okay. Trying to really like a lot of my goal because of how unsafe I felt in this world, the way that I <clears throat> even experienced my awakening of it just being in such an unsafe way of this re-traumatizing and, and literally having to kind of do this on my own and learning how to hold myself in a space that scared the shit out of me, um, that it really helped. This was how spirit trained me to be able to hold that container for others. Yeah. I want to talk about that because yeah. I think something that I reflect on, like as I go through my own initiations mm -hmm. and sometimes I'm like really kicking and screaming, like yes. I'm really not having it. And it doesn't always comfort me to be like, oh, I'm just, you know, taking one for the team so I can be a better healer. Mm -hmm. Like there's something almost masochistic feeling about that. Absolutely. So I've had to think about it in a different way. Um, and so, yeah, like one thing that I think about is just the nature of how earth is a really imperfect realm and that suffering exists here and that I have existential curiosity like I'm a philosopher of human existence. Yes. And so I travel into realms, like I have ecstatic experiences and I have miserable experiences, but they all inform me of how to relate more deeply and more intimately to yeah. being here and to others. So I'm just curious kind of how you relate to going through these really intense things and how that then shows up for your relations and your, your work. <sighs> How it's, you conceptualize that? I, I love this question, and it's it's so funny how spirit literally prepared me as I was speaking about this literally yesterday to a friend. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm um, and again, I, I I may be very biased because this is my experience of it in the sense of um, during this time, you know, that there there really was really very, very, very minimal external teachings. So in the sense of I did, I've, I, when I started my awakening, I think I've read two spiritual books. So in the sense of my path was definitely not an intellectual one. It wasn't about signing up for workshops or finding a teacher, finding a mentor, someone showing me that, like, you know, this craft, um, or, you know, learning, learning these skills and, and so this is where I, I'm, I'm a firm believer um, that those who, who experience the greatest levels of suffering, you know, or, or, or high frequencies of suffering or really, you know, kind of traumatic experiences that they carry, that they really carry the DNA and the coding, you know what I mean? To, to be in that space of a healer, to be in that space of a shaman, whatever it is that you want to, you know, um, a mentor, whatever it is you want to call it, but someone who leads, someone who holds space, someone who 
um, is a way shower. Um, that I, that I really am a firm believer that, um, a lot of these things, especially when you're working with energy, um, like in the, like, yeah, in this world of energy and energy transmission, um, that it's not an intellectual process and it's a lived experience. And so I, I, like yourself, I experienced it in the sense of, you know, I went through a very distorted, um, phase of when I would go through my trauma or when I would have these like really intense moments that I'm like, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing it so I can be in better service. And it was like, fuck that. No, like that doesn't, that doesn't feel good for me. Um, that makes me feel like a martyr, you know? And, um, and then of course journeying into that, cause I'm similar to you. Like I just traverse all the consciousnesses with a fine tooth comb because I just want to under, you know, understand and explore. It's like, I'm this cosmic explorer, you know, or multidimensional uh, explorer. Um, and I have this great curiosity as well. And that it was really that the, like in this instance, what, what really changed and how I changed my perspective around that from being martyr to simply being in service was really when the download came in and not just the intellectual knowing, um, but when the cellular embodiment came in. And this also ties back to the car accident of what it is that I experienced of literally returning to source literally returning into and being being held in the frequency of the cosmic womb you know the space in which all of creation and all of dimensions you know comes from that i am no separate from you like you know we all know this intellectually but there's something about really feeling it on this um on this cellular level and so it really comes from this place of of you know this higher mission that um that us souls took on from this space of source as to the greater picture of, you know, the galactic unfolding of what is also happening on this planet. So that it's, it really is a matter of all playing a part of, um, of kind of transcending the, the, the density that exists on this planet and the karma, right. And collapsing this karmic cycle that we continue to, um, you know, cycle through, um, that, you know, I've received a lot of vision and downloads, um, and, and guidance that it's like karma is done. Like we've, we've done it. And it's because of this, it's because of, you know, this kind of collective, um, weight, you know, that we carry and that we signed, you know, that we signed up for to, um, to learn how to love, Right. I don't, I don't necessarily like using the term to transmute our trauma or to transmute our density because really from a space of unity of this unity consciousness, it's not about separating ourselves from these things. It's it really, the path is about learning how to love and embrace and accept all that is all that is regardless of the stories that we've created about it, that if, if we want to, um, come back into our hearts if we want to really embody the essence that we are um, of this purity of of love and unity um, then it really is about learning to love everything and so as soon as that kind of cellular embodiment came in that the way it is that I was relating and ex uh, relating to my experiences completely shifted if anything my initiations got more intense 
more challenging, more deep, more mind fucking kind of thing. And, but I just did it. And I did it for me. It wasn't so that I could be of service to others. It's because there are no others. It's like the path that's unfurling before you. Yeah. And yeah, it's really interesting when you speak about karma, um, because I, I study and practice like a karmic reincarnation based astrology. Mm -hmm. And there is always this question of, do we have, you know, is it fate or free will? And then when I think about some of my recent medicine experiences, some of the most ecstatic moments are when I feel my stories that I've identified with my whole life Mm -hmm. slipping away. But it's like my natal chart and the way that I even see myself through astrology, it's still there, but it changes. It's like a doorway opens up because we have these patterns that we play out and there's different octaves of them. Yeah. But I think even... You know, it's something that I'm still integrating, but it was like a story I had about my life and it it played out in this like really grand dramatic way in one of the ceremonies. And then it felt so light where it was like almost like I could just toss it where it's like, oh, I, I don't have to be in this story anymore yeah. or I can reimagine it in some way. And that's kind of what I've been aiming for and practicing all these years anyway is like if we have awareness of karma, mm-hmm. you know, but something that I really like about you know, being multidisciplinary with how I practice astrology is that if you go on like an astrologer forum, a certain day, it's like, this is a bad day. Like the start, like everything's aligned for a shit show, but you talk to like someone who's, um, just in the magic and doesn't practice astrology. And they're like, it's the best day ever every day. And you can blend those two. It's like, you can find a different octave of Saturn than what we're taught, you know, for what it to be. Uh Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I just think it's interesting to, you know, when you talked about not having karma in this realm anymore, I'm like, well, what's the gateway, you know, and, and Mm. yeah, there's. Would you like me to share what I like some more context about that? Yeah. Of what it is that I was shown is, so this is about, again, speaking, uh, we're speaking very galactically here, right. And going into like earth's galactic history, um, and, um, also in this, and in, in speaking about the different dimensions. So we often, uh, you know, in these spiritual communities and circles often talk about the 5d, 3d, you know, all of, all of these different dimensions and that, um, there, there, and I, and I remember feeling it. I remember feeling this kind of moment where I just felt like an epic, epic collective shift. And, um, because one of, one of the things that I do, um, is every morning, you know, I sit and have my coffee and I'll smoke a mopacho and I just sit and watch the collective field and just scan the collective field. And just to see, you know, like kind of like, Oh, well, what's going on? Almost like cosmic news kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, but not from an astrology perspective, but from, um, like a coding kind of perspective. And, um, but sim- very similarly in the way that like astrologers do, right. Like what you had just mentioned. And I remember, um, so earth, um, is known as, you know, a third dimensional planet. Um, there's a lot of stories around, you know, this being the densest planet, you know, in, um, in, in our universe kind of thing. Um, and that, uh, that this is why we also have physical form, 
right? This is also why that we are not able to necessarily see the star beings, the, you know, the spirits that really truly are all around us, um, is that they just vibrate at a much higher frequency that our eyes, um, or the majority, I would say of humans, our eyes are not attuned yet to see. And so, um, one of the reasons is because the earth's grid lines or, um, that it was holding this third dimensional frequency. But then there was something about in the sense of the collective work that we've been doing. So even going back to those who have come through and really uh, taken on a lot of this karma, you know what I mean? To, to move through and to bring back to love, to bring back into source. But it was almost like in this sense of that, like it was almost like enough work was done and that um, earth's frequency then raised to a fifth dimensional frequency. And that this is how my guides showed me because you we often hear this is such a unique time in history. You know what I mean? Like everyone speaks like this is such a unique time in history. There's so much change that's happening. There's so much this. And my guides showed me the perspective of that. But they sat there and said, what makes it so unique is that we were born into karma. We were born through that karmic cycle, right? So there were absolutely karmic ties. You know what I mean? Like from past law, excuse me, from past lives and, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. But then as soon as the earth raised its frequency, that's what cut the cord because of their fifth dimensional frequency is love and unity. And karma is a representation of separation. Now, the way that I've experienced it, um, kind of what you're speaking to is the way that karma is like a web. Yeah. And there's all, there's different webs. And yeah. I find often that when I'm, um, you know, I'm a weaver. We talked about this. Yes, yes. Right? <laughs> and so when I am intentioning my energy and living in a certain way, um, sometimes I land in like a web, you know, and it's not always a trap web. Sometimes it's a nice hammock. And I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I la- my story brought me here. Absolutely. But my belief systems, the mm-hmm. ways I think, my stories I identify with are webs yeah. and they condition my experience. And yeah. so... um I go back and forth between um, assessing whether the moment, you know, calls for a more um, almost like defined or dense kind of web of like, there's a harsh reality at play here. This is the situation Mm -hmm. or whether it's like open arms to the sky, anything's possible. And there are ways I think to bridge those realms. But I find that when we're like really inside of karma or inside of that Mm -hmm. patterning that it takes um, effort or it takes some kind of vibrational thing or practices to release oneself from that web. Absolutely. And so even just understanding the nature of the web is a way to have a breakthrough beyond yeah. it. Yeah. And how, like, um, just to continue on the context, what I'm seeing now is that there is, and, and this has also been my experience. So especially going through that cycle of reliving, like literally reliving and going into that, into that space of that this was an approach of how it was that I was, you know, for lack of better terms, clearing karma. What they're saying in this moment, it's a matter of all that's left is the web. There isn't the energetic cord that actually, like, you know, you need to actually walk through and cut and this, that, and the other, but there's the cellular imprint, right? Because we were born into you know, a third dimensional planet. And then as we experienced life and kind of grew that all of a sudden those energetic cores 
cords and ties to those, you know, past stories and that karma is actually severed and that all it is that we need to do is purge, right? That it's like, we don't have to actually live through like that. This is where it's like, again, this, 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 there's this e, there's a bit more of an ease and grace that can come through, but that this is how my guides explained part of what new earth actually really means. You know what I mean? That this is where there's new practices that need to come through that these practices, you know, um, you know, that they don't necessarily apply anymore because they were designed to break people free from the cords of karma. But if there's no cords and it's just a matter of, there's just a cellular imprint. I almost see it as almost like this energetic debris that just needs to be kind of shook off and that this is where really strong attachments to stories pulls us back into the patterning of moving through karma through a way to actually break the cords. But if there's this intellectual knowing of going, I am just literally purging what it is I inherited when I was born, but the way that it moves through me and influences no, me. I do feel you, that because yeah. I do a lot of... Um, imaginal work. And I think it was, it was starting in like when I was 22 that I started to learn about like, um, creating your own reality manifestation teachings. Mm -hmm. And I would have these wild and unbelievable experiences stepping into that kind of creator consciousness. And at the same time, um, I recognize my own kind of psychological trappings or patterns that I've had to work with and purge in order to even have that level of freedom Mm -hmm. or that, they come up, they get triggered when I'm facing freedom. Yeah. You know, it's like when there's an open space, then yeah. there's something that I'm projecting onto that open space. And to be able to let that go as opposed to hold onto it and renew the lease on that particular karma is yeah. something that I really I like that. Practice. Renew the lease. I like that. I always that. talk about <laughs> I really like that. Thank you. You have such a way with words. You're such a weaver with your words. Well, so beautiful. Are you. So it's are beautiful. You. I love this. We're like two grandmother spiders just dancing right now. I know. Yeah. I was like, I'm really like hanging out with a witch in the woods. You yeah, know? Legit. Yeah. 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 Legit. And so. all my familiars and the cats <laughs> were here to greet you and welcome, going like, yeah, another witch, another witch in town. It's such a vibe. Like, I yeah. wish you all could see this, those of you listening. So um, for those who are listening, how can people connect with you and work with you? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for inviting that into the space. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Send a homing pigeon or find me in my cave, right? Um, I, like, I don't... give us the sacred valley options and the uh, Fair enough. Options. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Um, so I, I'm currently living in, um, in the sacred valley in Peru. And uh, one of the ways, you know, in which she can, uh, we can connect is, you know, through my Facebook page or through Instagram, um, or email or WhatsApp. Um, I do. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's one of those, um, one of those things that I I don't really carry a platform, um, in that sense in social, in social media or have a website or have kind of, you know, this channel. Um, one of, one of the things, and, and this is where I'm really grateful for, for you, um, as well, that it's, uh, a lot of what it is that I'm, that I'm trying to do and, and spirit is asking me to try to bring back as the old ways, you know, the old ways of that, you know, there's, there's the witch, the witch who hides in the corner 
and that when it is that you okay, meet them, they show up. This is a dream for me too, though, because yeah. I've been creating content for a while, yeah. and I remember one of my earlier pursuits was to create a literary magazine, and it had mm. no traction. Really, I knew authors and writers that I adored, but I could not get them to yeah. allow me to publish them. They'd be like, oh, no, I don't I don't want it or I don't think my writing's ready. I need to edit it. And I was like, no, you're brilliant. Please let me publish you. And I feel mm-hmm. like now on the podcast, I do get to like connect people in the way that I've always wanted to. It's beautiful um, what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, and it's, be- it's, it's, it's a beautiful service that you're offering. And um and yeah, that it's a matter of, you know, um, for me, it's like my guidance is just, uh, is really about, um, of sitting back, you know, and sitting back You're like and, in the magic. Well, and that's, and that's really it. And, and really trying not to, um, be influenced, um, by the way in which I see, um, spiritual business operating, um, and calling it new earth business, but yet it's still the same structure of capitalism, you know, but just, um, sprinkled with a lot of love and light language. Right. But it really is the same. And and a lot of the path that I'm being asked to walk, um, is to, to be an ally in decolonization and, um, and to, um, to be an ally, um, and working and and trying to um, learn as much as I can about, you know, anti-capitalism work and anti-racism work that this really is the path to to bridge new earth is, is about, um, is, is really about um, collapsing the ways and the relationships and the identifications and the attachments to the privilege that I have as a white, you know, European descent woman um, and, and trying to find other ways. Right. And so a lot of that is, um, about, uh, the way that it is I serve and, and that it is a matter of really, for me, it's about holding very strong prayers, you know, of holding very strong prayers of going those who we're coded, you know, to work together. Um, they'll find me. You know what I mean? They'll yeah. find me that I don't need to seek anything that that actually distorts the transmission um, that I've seen, you know, if I advertise or, you know, put flyers out or, you know, like do do anything in that kind of way beyond just kind of connecting to the little community that I have um, that that it's a matter of it distorts the transmission. It distorts the container that you can hold, that it really is about um, I have these very strong visions of how it is that things used to be in a lot of my past incarnations is there was a reason why I was, you know, that creepy witch in the, in the woods doing weird things with trees and ceremonies and and rituals and things like that, but that I was alone, you know what I mean? And that there's this, um, that this is where there just needs to be that divine timing and that divine intervention. And that's oftentimes um, that there is no promotion and that I don't really ever feel the desire to do that. Um, and that, um, but then, you know, there's people like yourself who, again, (laughs) that we, you know, that we, we weaved our way through that again, with this invitation to support the retreat, it was not my idea. It was, you know, Daniela 
you know, coming to me and asking and, and making such a beautiful, creating such a beautiful opportunity for me to, to connect with some absolutely incredible people. And, um, you know, and similar that this is just kind of the way that it is and that I've gone through a really deep initiation around that and, and experiencing a lot of lack, right? Experiencing a lot of instability where the desire to egoically create really needed to come in or in the sense of, I've got to start, you know, oh, I've got to start promoting myself. Like, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to do, you know, like, because I still yeah, live in this human world. Very, um, interesting intersections because if you are a magical business, mm-hmm. which I relate to, it's like, your work is being in the frequency and being in the magic of that, which you serve. And then the commerce side of it, it's like figuring out how you do business in a way that aligns with that. Yeah. Cause I remember when I first was studying, I've studied business in a lot of different ways, you know, and when I first started, I really had to like extract things from the teachings, but I couldn't take the teachings in their entirety because they would ask me to do things like come up with my target audience or my ideal client avatar. I'm like, I don't care. Like if people (sighs) vibe with the frequency and like vibe with what I'm sharing, then they are my audience or they're my clients. So they don't have to be, I don't care. Like I don't need to know what they ate for breakfast or what brands they like, or like all these weird things that I would see in these like business books. Mm -hmm. And so I find that commerce um, there can be a really sacred quality to it because it's this interweaving dance of um, like thriving together yeah. or like energy exchange. Yeah. And there's so much baggage and a lot to purge in yep. that particular area. Oh my gosh, of life. yes. And so, you know, sometimes it's commerce that holds people back from doing their sacred work. And so yeah. there is a really interesting yeah. working to figure out of how to balance those. And, and for myself again, with, um, with, a, with, a, with this commitment, you know what I mean? This commitment that I've made to, to do my best and to be as disciplined as I can to really walk in alignment um, with what is being asked of me by great spirit that um, it's true uh, is that I, didn't know how to operate within commerce that, you know, a lineage, you know, that I, that I remembered that I carried. So my, my ancestry is uh, predominantly Slavic as well as Scottish. And so I carry um, Slavic paganism as well as Druidism, you know what I mean? Through my bloods and that this is what spirit was really initiating within me as was these old teachings, these old ways. And so embedded in me. And I mean, like really embedded in me that there was a belief, there was a very strong belief that nobody should be refused support or healing because they don't have the money. And, um, but then because, because I've lived like, you know, when I have this cellular remembering in my DNA of being the town, you know, healer, I was, you know, the, the lineage that I come from with the Slavic, um, you know, nation is, we were called whisperers, um, you know, whisperers and that you were born with witch blood and that there was an activation very similar. That's, that was actually that activation of, um, that at some point you just get pulled away from your life and you go into isolation and you cut pretty much yourself off and it's spirit that teaches you. So I was reliving that initiation, um, after the car accident, but it was a weaving, you know, that was happening even before of just this literally spontaneous, you know, 
retreat, inner retreat for years, right? And that and that's literally what happened. I lived in isolation for four years, like swimming in my shit, losing my mind while simultaneously remembering it. And you know, and so that really came through really strongly of in the sense of I, you know, it doesn't feel right to charge. It doesn't feel right to charge. Like there was literally this visceral response within me that felt sick when I would receive money because this was not the way that it was done. You know what I mean? This was not the way that it was done. And I know that this is a very much a common belief system, you know, within the spiritual communities, within the medicine communities that, you know, there's a lot of projection towards anybody who charges, you know, also maybe a lot of money or really kind of, kind of gatekeeps themselves um, for those who are privileged um, and who can, who can, you know, afford this exchange. And, you know, and, and I, I definitely at one point also had that belief, but I went into this extreme where it was a matter of, uh, you know, my basic needs weren't being met, but here I was supporting absolutely everybody who would walk through my door. And that also brought me into a, a, a depleted state. And then it was a matter of, okay, I got to find some sort of balance because what then dropped in is that we do not live in the ways that our ancestors do anymore. The way of um, the impact, you know, of colonization and, and capitalism and this creation of this system is that we absolutely, we, we cannot be separate from this system. Um, but what we can do is be, is, is to create space from the control and the compulsion and, you know, in these, in these belief systems and, and the manipulation of this system, because back in the day, the reason why healing didn't have a price tag or was gate kept or, you know, like in that sense of it's not accessible is because the town literally took care of their healer. They took care of their shaman. They took care of their witch, that everything that they needed was simply provided for, that there was no need for any type of exchange, that, you know, that this person, because they they really saw and valued, you know, they really saw and valued that person and saw them as the pinnacle of, you know, keeping a healthy community. And so there was nothing that that person ever needed. They just simply showed up in service. That is what I would love to experience in my life, that I would love to, um, and I've seen the vision of bringing it back in some sort of old way that there, and I'm not, and it hasn't dropped in of how, but in the sense of my community will simply support me and that it's not going to be a, well, I've booked an hour session. So here is the exchange that still, even this point does not feel good to me, but I also realize I need to also create stability for myself as I try to find a way to bring back an old way, but in this new system. And that it's, um, you know, I've found a balance. Um, I've really, you know, kind of found a balance of um, that there is uh, a suggested, you know what I mean? That it's a matter of I've placed, you know, a value at some point. Cause I, I would, I would, you know, do it from a space of, okay, it's, you know, pay what you can, just offer what it is that you can. And then I really also, what I experienced through that experiment was I was really attracting people's poverty and lack consciousness. And that I was sitting there seeing, you know, that there was, there was, this is a really strong teaching from um, an anti-capitalistic teacher named Sonia Renee Taylor of like, how dare you value me? 
the human, emotional, energetic, and spiritual labor that I am giving you and that you value a Starbucks coffee more than me, right? That this is in its consciousness itself is rooted back into slavery, right? Of really devaluing human labor. And so I was also seeing, you know, um, obviously from a very different perspective of being a white woman, um, that, you know, I was also sitting there going like, wow, I really am being devalued. That, you know, I, I do, um, I offer, you know, monthly energetic transmissions. And, you know, when you sit there and you go, okay, because spirit is asking me to serve selflessly. <laughs> and so I do that. And then, but then you really sit there and you, but, and it's, and it's not actually about the dollar amount, but it's the energy behind what is being offered that you can really sit there and say, you just sat with me for two, three hours and we just did epic labor and work that you know, opened, opened you up and you bought a pizza more expensive. You know what I mean? That you ate afterwards. Yeah. The shit's rude. You know, like, and, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> and, but, but, it, but also in saying that, that there was a really big practice and initiation of also There's not to take about it personally. The, yeah. Authority of pricing. Yeah. Um, to, you know, know what your boundaries are. Yeah. Feel like pricing is really about boundaries. Yeah. And at the same time, um, if there's that desire to offer more support, there can be ways of having scholarships or other things. There's, um, but yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, I love the spiritual business stuff, but we we're probably getting on a little bit I was of a just tangent say, I'm like, and just, you know, let people know how they can find you. Okay. So, um, well definitely, you know, the, the, I think the best way would, you know, maybe be through, you know, the social media, um, platforms that I don't really do much on, but I do, sometimes share writings, um, or, you know, WhatsApp is a, is another way or email, um, email would be good if that, you know, if you're, if you're curious about the work, um, again, usually every month I offer, um, you know, an, a group energy transmission that are recorded. So if you can't attend live, then they're also sent out. Um, and I actually think I'm going to do one on uh, December 1st because this month of November was just completely epic for so many people with so much transformation that I was, <laughs> well, this, okay. But also, oh my God, my, my, my stories with eclipse, that's for another day, but that this was just, really such a transformative month, um, that, um, spirit has asked for me to do, you know, to offer a transmission to really help, um, with integration about really landing this in. So that's the codes, you know, and, and perhaps the teachings and the channeled messages that will come through. Um, yeah. So Yay. thank you for pulling, pulling us back out of the rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> that I feel yeah. like you and I could dance in and probably have <laughs> danced in with each other for lifetimes. And that it's just like, Oh yeah, cool. We get to do this in the physical again. <laughs> it's been so fun meeting you and yeah. just like life changing really. Um, I'm so happy that oh. I got to have you on the podcast and I'll leave your email um, and links in the show notes for anyone that wants to connect with you, get oh. a reading oh. or who's passing through Peru because you know, maybe they are. Yeah. So. There's yeah. If you're passing in Peru as well, it's like, yeah, the work when it's done in person is pretty amazing. 
um, because we could also incorporate body work. You know, um, I work in a very osteopathic kind of way and it's about opening up the channels and aligning the physical channels through gentle adjustments of, you know, the spine and the joints um, and aligning it and opening it up uh, with light language transmissions and, and you know, and shamanic uh, energy practices um, to really align the two to um, open up the channels. Um, but instead of uh, this practice of ascending, you know, ascending our consciousness, the approach that I have is really about descending the consciousness, the higher consciousnesses, and bringing them into our physical reality, I'm and really all pro- about that, <laughs> and really prioritizing our humanity and yeah. how it is that we um, can walk on this earth and try to walk with simplicity. Because that I find is where the bliss is. That is where the purity is, is that when we make our lives is less complicated with very complicated things, you know, like this consciousness, right? Like exploring our consciousness is a very complex space. And so it's always about keeping our prayer and our focus on how does this integrate into my human? I am a human first, you know, in, in this lifetime, like I'm, I'm here embodied in my humanity. And so all of these higher teachings or higher perspectives or, you know, uh, channels that we can access or star beings that we can communicate. None of that matters if you are not rooted in your humanity and actually thinking, um, or intending to bring that down and embodying it into your physical body. We're not trying to leave our body that leaves us very ungrounded. And so, yeah, that's a lot of the work. So if you, if you do pass through Peru, um, I would love to meet you. Um, and also, um, that I also work with, with medicine in this space, as well as Santa Maria, as well as, um, I've been making a little bit of an apothecary of a lot of the plants, the European and North American, um, plants through tinctures and journeying with, uh, Santa Maria and these other plants. And it's a really beautiful experience, a very much, um, walking kind of like a middle path as well, but also a part of my practice in decolonization as I do work very closely with South American indigenous um, plant medicines um, and learning that this has helped me to not enter into indigenous spaces from a space of extraction. You know what I mean? That it really is a matter of that this was a way uh, that spirit has showed me that my ancestors also worked with plants and that it's a matter of really prioritizing my ancestry, my culture, and um, and that so that when I enter into these indigenous spaces, that I can come from a space of sharing, exploring, learning, but not extracting. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank Lori. you so much, my dear. This is such a pleasure. I'm really, I'm really happy that we got to um, that we got to meet before you returned back to the states. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.